0: Hi HR Nation, it's Chris Rainey. Welcome to HR Leaders, the show where we interview today's most successful and innovative HR practitioners five days a week. Today we're joined by Heather Whiteman. Heather is the Global Head of People Strategy, Analytics, Digital Learning and HR Operations at GE Digital. Heather, welcome to the show. How are you?
1: Great, I'm good. Thanks so much, Chris. It's great to be here with you today.
0: Fantastic. Um, Heather, for our listeners that aren't aware of yourself and uh, sort of your background, could you give us a, a brief overview of your journey to, to where we are today and a little bit more about yourself?
1: Yeah, um, I think everybody loves sharing their, their fun journey. So I like to start with the fact that I started out researching monkeys. Um, wow, I thought okay, that so by this point, yeah. <laughs> I thought I'd be living in the jungles of Borneo by this point in my life. Uh, So naturally, I took all of the understanding of monkeys and just applied them to corporate business people. It was a perfect transition to get me to where I am today. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's an amazing chat. I wasn't expecting that from you. That's, that's, yeah. how, you got to tell me a bit more. How, how you got? You can't just leave that there. How did you go from studying that to, to, to HR? You got to give me some more context on that.
1: Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I mean, hey, it starts as any good story with a PBS special. Fell in love with gorillas. Went to school. Thought I was going to be an animal psychologist. Um, I did work for a few years in a lab um, training monkeys. So if anybody has a monkey that they need trained, I am certified. Just let me know. Um, And uh, I really fell in love with the research though. So while I was there, I spent a lot of time doing the analytics and um, running all of the outcomes and the results of our studies. I loved that. Wasn't sure really what to do next. Still love monkeys. Wasn't sure I wanted to work in that lab research setting. Uh, Quite frankly, with a psychology degree that was mostly focused on animals and everything else that the university required you to take. I didn't know what I was gonna do uh, mm-hmm. with my career. I was introduced to the concept of industrial organizational psychology and found that you can really go deep into the psychometrics or the analytics and studying of people. I loved that, it appealed to me. I went and got my master's in that area and that's then where I fell into some things like personnel testing. Um, I did a lot with affirmative act equal employment analyses and research. And then from there I got introduced to HR, worked my way into sort of HR research roles, then workforce planning, then people analytics. And now today, um, leading people analytics, learning and development, HR operations, uh, some other areas like that. So it felt very natural, even though it doesn't sound natural.
0: No, I love it. I love asking that question because you never know what the answer you're gonna get. And everyone, I'd say genuinely about 90% of the people that I speak to, no one planned on working in this field. it just people just find their way i certainly that was a break dancer and a skateboarder who had Mm. a part-time job genuinely i was literally a break dancer professionally uh, and a a semi-pro skateboarder and I got a part-time job speaking to HR leaders, and here we are. <laughs> so,
1: <laughs> well, Chris, I will tell you, I was also a semi-pro bowler for a little while. So a you with your semi-pro skateboarding, me with my semi-pro bowling, we could uh, you pretty, know, both about, not probably make it into the Olympics. So.
0: <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> so so where we are now, uh, obviously, your profession is, is profound in this day and age. It's come a long way. If you think about when you first started in the field, I'm sure, you, you may, or maybe you did know that this would be the future now. Mm-hmm. HR has changed so dramatically and people analytics, predictive, prescriptive. It's sort of the buzzword at the moment, right? You only have to go on, on LinkedIn. I hate to use the example. And you see the posts and the, and the comments and even the events that are popping up all over. Um, so I'm wondering at the moment, really, what occupies your mind on a day-to-day basis?
1: Yeah. Yeah, um, you know, occupying my mind, and this is the part that I love about analytics. I'm not sure if I knew it was going to be the future. I just knew it was my future. I have been in love with the research, the analytics. I loved applying it. Like I said, when I first started out, it was about affirmative action, equal employment, equal pay. I loved that I could make a difference and create fairness through analytics. And then I discovered that I could do even more. And that part's never changed. And so when I think about it, what takes up my mind with HR analytics is how do we be really smart about what we can do with data and information to make people's lives better and you know, increase the employee experience in the workplace, bring about organizational success. Um, I'm a really big fan of working with companies that have a mission and a purpose and helping them achieve that through success. Um, you know, it, It's also fun. Uh, another side comment about me, I love baseball. I'm obsessed with fantasy baseball. I love the metrics. Big surprise. Of course, Yeah, um, I, like to of say course. I was going
0: to say that. <laughs> <Sure. Wait. laughs>
1: and, uh, you know, I, I think about sometimes people analytics that same way. Um, if anybody watched the movie Moneyball or better yet read the book, the book is much better as it always is. Um, you know, it's that concept of building a winning team. By using information not always trying to bring in the best multiplayer but the best individual sets of player to build out a perfect team and that's the way I think about people analytics that's what I love about it it's creating the game it's bringing in the right players it's getting a winning team that's the part that really you know comes to mind for me when I think about it and, and why I get passionate about it.
0: Love that analogy because I, can't believe I haven't thought about it. because we grew up playing fantasy football you know in, in, <laughs> in the UK fantasy football was huge and uh, it was so, back in the day, it wasn't even online. You'd literally fill it on in on a piece of paper, it, post it, you post it to the company, and then it would send you a post back to let you know your results, and then you'd mm-hmm. work through your metrics and everything. So it's a very interesting way of putting it, but very, I can I can picture it completely now in my head. So thanks for sharing that. Um, when you think about an, sort of analytics, HR analytics, there's about a million names for it now. Uh, mm-hmm. Literally every day there's a new name <laughs> for, to describe it. What does it mean to you? And, and why is it so important for businesses?
1: Yeah, Um, you know, I think about analytics, you know, in the same vein of that other response, is just it's being smart about people decisions. I think it's the application of knowledge and insights into all aspects of the people process. Uh, I don't get too hung up on the names mostly because it's people analytics sometimes, it's workforce insights. Um, (laughs) There's, you know, you could basically take any talent, workforce, people, HR, human capital, and then add some kind of strategy, analytics, planning um, on the backside and come out with the same kind of answer. Um, But it's just that business outcomes alignment is the part that I think sometimes people leave off of the definition that I think is really important, which is applying those analytics, applying those insights to outcomes, to business results, Mm -hmm. and informing decisions along the way.
0: So one of the struggles that I hear every day from the leaders, especially the generalists now that are having to get to grips with this, because whether they like it or not, it's part of their role now. Um, and it's, and it's, it's here, here to stay. You know, what advice would you give to to companies and leaders that are just getting started in, in, in analytics? And where should they spend their time and focus their attention? Because this seems to be the biggest cha- one of the biggest challenges for the leaders.
1: Yeah. Yeah, um, I think there's a lot that people get worried about when they think about starting this. In fact, I when I've talked to HR members, they're usually mostly overwhelmed. So I also teach a class, I teach an Intro to Human Capital Analytics course with UC Berkeley Extension. And oh, wow. the type of people that you described are actually mostly the mm-hmm. participants in the course. And the good news is I think people recognize that this is a very important part of being a professional in this area, and that you should take steps towards it, but the part that I try to tell people is, don't get overwhelmed. There's so much that people talk about. You'll start hearing crazy words like organizational network analysis, and you know should did you use simple linear regression or did you use logistic regression? Uh, yeah. don't worry about that start super small. Um, Just find a business problem that's been bugging people, that's been bugging you, that's been bugging a leader and ask yourself, could I figure out why this is happening? Is there any kind of information that would help me know why it's happening? Because if you can figure out the why, you can start to identify the levers to fix it. And really analytics is just meant to help give you a little more information than you have on your own. I don't, I don't tell people to go out and get fancy software. You can get pretty far with Excel um, or Numbers if you're a Mac user. Uh, And you can use that to look for patterns. You can look for data. But don't let it intimidate you. Don't be afraid to start. And I think the biggest thing, too, is never put analytics before the strategy or the outcome. Some people want to do analytics because everybody else is talking about it. So they feel like they have to do an analysis. That's so what they-
0: everyone's doing, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and people are worried that if they're not doing analytics, then they're behind on their career or they're not connected. But make sure it's tied to strategy or an outcome because if you go run a model or an analysis, but it's not tied out to solving a problem.
0: has to the start there, right?
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah, start with a business need, work your way back uh, and, and, and align that with the, the biggest challenges of the, of the, of the organization, yeah. as opposed to doing everything <laughs> starting everywhere. Interesting. So one of the big challenges seems to be, uh, great. We've got our new system. We've got our new tools. Uh, you know, the data is a, a mess. <laughs> and, uh, so it seems that I hear that quite a lot. Um, could you share your experience in this area? Do you have any advice of, uh, where to get the data from, you know, how best to, 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 to use it, store it, et cetera, because this seems to be another area which people really struggle with.
1: Yeah. No, um, I think anybody working in this space struggles with this. So if you, uh, you know, as a listener are struggling with this, you're not alone. It's not you. It's not your company. It's not your data. Um, I haven't seen anyone who doesn't struggle with it, but that's because there really is, you know, data governance and data quality do go together. There's a really important step around ensuring that you've got processes to get data in and that but i think one of the reasons so many people struggle with this is actually more of a technology flaw Um, and i'm really getting excited about future technology because when i look at the data that i've had access to it's been historically set up not to be used just to be tracked so much of hr has just been about keeping employee records yeah you're
0: right it's true Yeah, Yeah,
1: it's a a snapshot in time. It lists so-and-so hired on this date, paid this much, worked in this location. It was never set up in an architecture or in a system in a way that could be used very easily by somebody looking for insights. So when I think about sort of where we're going in the future, I'm really excited about some of these more cloud providers, HR information systems, even in my opinion, some of the really small startups are excelling from some of the big companies because they can come at the architecture of the data in a new way. Um, and that's where if you have any opportunity to influence it, it's think about how you wanna use the data before capturing the data. And like when you when I think about people uh, in putting in kind of data terms, people are longitudinal, meaning they don't exist at one point in time. They're not a snapshot on this date. They're a person that goes sure. throughout a timeline and a career and they progress through jobs and they move and they have life changes they are a longitudinal piece of data and we need to store them that way yeah and then secondly people are again in data terms what you'd call a one to many relationship it's each person has a series of things that apply to them a series of skills a series of experiences they aren't a single row in an Excel sheet or a CSV file. They are this one thing with many, many components. And again, thinking about the data that way hasn't necessarily been done in the past. And I think that data structure aspect is why we have the challenges that we have. And I'm, I'm pretty excited to see us getting there. And then I won't dive into it, but all of that is before we even talk about reliability and validity, because <laughs> humans, Sorry, we're all a really, really hard thing to measure. Yeah. Um, none of us are the sum of our HR information system inputs, uh, and so then just being able to tie it back to things that matter in a reliable and valid way, I think, is another really critical aspect
0: of that. Yeah, because what I see is everyone investing, you know, millions of pounds in you know workdays and you know all of the other systems, but then they're just putting just crap data in there. <laughs> <laughs> about, about the way that Donald put it in another way, he could put it a better way, but they're, just, they're they're thinking that they're going to get this new flashy tool and it's going to solve everything. That seems to be the, uh, and everyone in the room in our previous workshops are uh, talking about it. We were sort of, I don't want to bash on Workday, but you know, a lot of people in the room, like, who's in Workday? Half the room put their hand up, you know, most people with work. This is CHROs, global brands, sort of 100,000 plus, and every single HR lead in the room had a challenge. <laughs> and most of them were aligned on that, but a lot of it was to do with the data going in. Uh, into the system, uh, and then actually didn't know how to make sense of it as well. It's really overwhelming. So I think this is something that is going to be a big shift for, for practitioners, um, as well. Um, in, in terms of the skills as well, because this is now requiring HR te- traditional HR teams are not set up for this, right? The skill sets don't exist, uh, in, in their teams. So I'm just wondering, you know, what does your team look like, um, within your organization in terms of the structure? And what advice would you give to HR leaders in terms of finding the right skills? Because a lot of them, you know, they don't need to go all in straight away and build an entire, you know, 10, 15 person team. What advice would you give them to get started and to, to build their teams out in this area?
1: Yeah. Um, so I actually have a very small, uh, people analytics team. So I'm, I have a broad team that is, of course, I'm going to like it. So I'm going to speak very positive. Everybody might have their own structure. But um, within my team, I have a mix. So I have uh, only a couple people focused on specifically analytics. So I have an analyst and a data science intern. That's it. That's the entire team. You just, um, just
0: shocked everyone now. Listen. Yep.
1: <laughs> and I would, um, I would probably put some of the analytics and the outcomes that we've been able to to drive up there with the best of them, uh, and it's because we only focus on business outcome items.
0: So not, you know oh, you don't need 24/7 to measure everything. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: You need a small team to measure the critical few things. But the other part that um, is in my team that I'm I think helps make that possible is uh, I also have the HR operations team as a part of my team, which means that going back to the previous question on data quality and governance on the same team as those who are using the data are the members of the team who are doing the data governance, who are doing quality, who are inputting that so that we can have a trust in the data, that it's aligned. We have a really detailed Mm -hmm. alignment with structures and pays and organizations. And so um, I think that's a critical piece of being able to have such a small people analytics is having the governance, the reporting uh, in it Also in uh, my team, I have a, a focus around integrated talent management and that is really the concept of taking the people analytics outcomes and applying them in the organization. So that's learning from the analytics where we have skills gaps and then literally going and implementing a strategy to hire specifically for those skills and then going and implementing a strategy for learning and development or to do an org design or resource allocation so in addition to the analytics, we have a, a process um, and a person to implement the insights into the talent management process.
0: Is that like the, your, your, your business partner almost?
1: Uh, it, we, we happen to have it separate and um, it's because it's really part of this broader uh, project and, and something that I've okay. been really passionate about that we just happen to call integrated talent management, which is okay. just our term everybody yep. uses. Sure, sure, sure. Um, but it's just really about being able to apply. And then they partner with the HR business yeah. partner okay. to really implement it. Fantastic. And then I also happen to have the learning and development team, um, which again is great because we can specifically develop our learning and our development and our employee experiences to tie back to the people analytics. Mm-hmm. So one Analyst, one intern is our people analytics function, but I would call it a powerful, highly impactful, um, really deep one because it is part of an ecosystem and an HR structure that supports it, uses it and implements it.
0: Yeah, you're focusing on on the business needs, <laughs> the strategic, the most important areas as opposed to going uh, doing everything um, to a uh, sort of 50%, <laughs> which doesn't make much sense. What about, um, because one of the things that I hear a lot is, uh, you know, the mixture between soft skills, hard mm-hmm. skills, you know, it's very hard to find a senior analytics leader that has both from what I hear, yeah. uh, the ability to sort of, you know, work with the leadership team, tell that story internally, you know, and then have both the, the hard skills, uh, as well, is that something you've experienced? Because you're actually, if in my opinion, someone who has both, which mm-hmm. is quite a rarity. <laughs> if I'm being honest, from what I hear from everyone, and also what I've experienced uh, from working with your peers, so just wondering what your thoughts are on that, because it seems to be. Yeah.
1: Tough. Yeah. No. I mean, I do agree. I do think it's rare. So I started with statistics. I love statistics. You know, I can't help myself. Sometimes I have to just jump in there and run a couple analyses because <laughs> it's been too long since I've done a cluster analysis or something. But, yeah. um, but I do think that's rare. And quite honestly, even though that is my background, I'm looking forward to the day when that where analytic skills aren't necessarily needed. And I mean the the actual analysis um,
0: by technology that, by that yeah, point. Yeah,
1: I, I really think that's the role of technology. And I think that the future is going to allow not for uh, the HR function to avoid that concept but to take the real uniquely human approach so the skills that i think that the HR team should need are things like analytical thinking which is not the same as analysis yeah I'm with you like business acumen critical thinking curiosity creativity if a person is thinking with that research mind if they are approaching everything with why is that happening? How could we change it? What should we do? Those, they will use the data. And I do think the technology could help get that data to them in a way that can be digestible and let them focus on the uniquely human skill Mm -hmm. of being an HR professional. Yeah. HR professional who can be based in facts and have information and exactly it.
0: it's, um, what, it's what they've wanted for so long <laughs> because always everyone always said you know HR in the boardroom that whole story right and uh, coming to the table with you know facts figures and you know and the analytics we saw every single function in the company go through this process we saw sales go through it and to become more digital we saw marketing go through it to become more analytical and digital and then now we're seeing HR in in that in uh, in that journey uh, this is very, very interesting. And that's a big battle and debate. We, see, you know, Human versus machine, right? You know, we're hearing this all the time. I did a post recently with Dave Orrick and it was one of our most viewed posts ever and it was talking about exactly what you just... Because that's the fear. When a lot of the HR leaders think about technology, they don't think about it the way, the way you just put it. Which is actually how I think. I see technology as an enabler for them yeah. to empower them to make better decisions. And yeah. the skills that they have at the moment are actually perfect in order to actually deliver that into the organization.
1: I honestly think that's true. And and I know that people get afraid and, and not just in HR, but in all functions, they talk about, you know, will automation take away jobs? Yeah, I yeah, yeah. fundamentally do not believe it will. And I think as HR has one of the best opportunities to be who they've always wanted to be as a function mm-hmm. because of technology. And, you know, I think about things it's maybe, I don't know if it's a good analogy, but I think about things like bank tellers. If you think back in the day before the ATM machine, you know, there were, you had to go to the teller at the bank to get cash and to drop it off. And then the automatic teller machine or cash machine came on and everyone thought that all of these poor tellers would lose their jobs. And in fact, there's still a wonderful thriving industry around tellers. And what I would say is they are now more partnering with their customers. They are now customer advocates because people in line aren't just coming to get some cash and drop of off some cash yeah they're doing that at the atm and they're coming in to have a discussion to get insights to get help to talk through something that's more challenging that's more difficult that only a human can help them with mm-hmm. and i believe that's where hr should be and will be mm-hmm. and there's just a couple steps to get there but i'm happy that some of these skills like you know why why do you need to actually understand how a Pearson correlation coefficient works?
0: You just so you lost me just now. You know that there's a
1: relationship. <laughs> yeah. um, don't get me wrong. Some people should go deep and they should know that. Yeah. But to do your job as an HR person, when you want to help people get to an end, you just need to understand the relationships and the facts and then help them do the part that you do best, which is guide them, coach them, solve problems, move them forward. So yeah, when I think about the skills and the technology going forward, I'm really hopeful positive I think we'll get there to a model that's more like that
0: amazing well on that point you've you've could you share uh, perhaps a project or a transformation that you've been through that stands out to you I'm sure there's many that you've been through <laughs> with some great insights and some great outcomes but could you share one with our, our listeners the ones that stand out to you that you're most proud of
1: yeah, um, you could tell I get very passionate in general sure. about this whole topic, <laughs> but uh, I will admit I'm currently doing the work of my life. Um, I am so happy. So I've been with General Electric for about eight years now, but I joined what is now our G-Digital business about five years ago with the opportunity to go build whatever you always wanted to build. Wow. Best job ever. Um, and yeah. it's had <laughs> so much uh, change and move along the way. but. Um, I kind of mentioned integrated talent management earlier and that's just what we call it because it's talent management but um, really for us it was more of an initiative and a way of doing things it's our um, HR strategy and so over the last five years we set up a really deep infrastructure of you know job structures compensation structures capabilities skills matrices and we started everything knowing that we wanted to be a database hr organization and it's taken a long time it's taken a lot of work but we're to the point now where we have tools that are available to our employees on their smartphone on their web where they can actually see um, the skills that are needed for their role. They can indicate things that they're interested in. They can really? get assessments from others. Um, they have a career discovery algorithm that actually tells them their percent fit for other jobs that they might not have ever thought of before, based on um, their current skills. Exactly, or wow. their interests. Or interests, okay. And wow. they can find roles that maybe, hey, did you know you're actually three quarters of the way to this job over here? Had you ever thought about it? And they can mark that it's an interest for them and actually share that role to their manager saying, hey, I'm interested in this. Um, Right there in the same tools, they have links to the learning and development items that the team curates. Mm -hmm. So I might find that I have a skill that I'm a little lacking in. And right there in the same tool, I can click on a learning uh, opportunity to help me grow it. And then in aggregate, we, we never, ever look at any individual level employee data. It's a philosophy and a policy for us. Um, I'm very much one of the uh, do no harm with data uh, advocates. So, But in aggregate, my team's able to look for trends and patterns. So we're able to see what are the most in-demand jobs? What skills are we lacking the most? We actually take the same skill data that we learned and we use that directly into our structured interview process to make sure that we have you know an unbiased, fair, structured interview process that will tie back to goals, um, And and we have, I think, something right now in the ballpark of over 40 million data points just on our uh, employee setup and uh, process. And it's because it's been a a slow build where every every few months we've added some abilities, we've added some features. And because we um, really built everything with our employees, uh, we asked HR to do nothing other than to Check in on and validate process. So when I talk about skills or jobs, uh, everything that we've built was completely built by our employees. Literally, software engineers defined the skills that were needed for software engineers. They set the expectations they for should. what it means to be a good yeah, software engineer exactly. here, and they measured how good we are at software <laughs> engineering. That's great. Um, yeah. So it's it's been a really good process that brought in a lot of employee experience, a lot of change management, built with the concept of data to start. So I, I think that's something that I'm really proud of. And now that we've been a couple years into it, we're able to look at trends, we're able to identify things like, what of our learning offerings actually did help somebody grow that skill within nine months or so? Which skills actually lead to higher productivity or higher, you know, quota and for the business. And so being able to do that now, uh, I feel like we're able to be that deep, deep partner with the business, which is a, a big area that I'm like to focus on and really proud of with this team.
0: I don't even know where to start. <laughs> I've got too many questions going on going right hey, That sounds amazing. It sounds amazing. Do you have a name for this whole system?
1: Is no, we're terrible at naming
0: things. <laughs> oh, you don't. I
1: no. am so like,
0: like, how do I not know about this? <laughs>
1: okay. um, it's a process. I mean, a lot of people like to say, hey, what's the technology? And, and quite frankly, um, and this is something I'd recommend to everybody else, is never let the technology be the first step. You need a strategy. You need a process, and, and the way. technology that supports uh-huh. it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's really our our strategy. And you know, you brought up the t- the comment about terms early. I'll tell you. I actually started calling it strategic workforce planning when we started.
0: Yeah.
1: And it was horrible because everybody wanted to know why I wasn't why I wasn't showing up to show them a attrition prediction model because apparently that's like was the hottest thing going on in workforce planning at the moment. Yeah. Um. And so we had to change the name. Uh, we just went to Integrated Talent Management because that's another generic HR term that just means <laughs> talent management that's truly integrated. You know, compensation, learning, uh-huh. recruiting, org design. Um, and because we didn't know what else to do, we just used the initials. So we officially call it ITM, and ITM, our employees have, have no for? clue what ITM stands for. <laughs> oh,
0: they don't. Just, it's ITM. It's fine. It's <laughs> just, just, ITM. Yeah, it's fine. that's amazing. Yeah. Uh, how um how many are all employees on this app?
1: Yeah, so in digital, across all of the GE businesses, we have about uh, 26,000 digital employees. Uh, It's completely voluntary. We do not mandate. Okay, I was going to
0: ask that question. Yeah.
1: Completely developmental. We don't use Mm -hmm. it for any outcomes. And out of the 25, 26,000 employees, we have about 19,000 who actively use it. And so I'm really proud of that, actually, from an engagement perspective. But again, I think that comes back to, it was built for employees by employees. And everything that we work on is something that they've asked for and that helps keep it.
0: You've empowered well. them. Yeah. yeah. You've empowered them for their own learning, their own career development. It's incredible because you don't really need to go for a big change, transformation, engagement piece when it's been built by them for them to empower their own learning, their own development. Of course, I would want to use it. Of course, you wouldn't want to use <laughs> it. What was the biggest surprise for you? Once, once you got people on it and people start using it, what was the biggest surprise that you was like, well, okay, <laughs> I didn't expect that.
1: You know, I don't know what the biggest surprise necessarily, I'd say some of the um, interesting parts are just realizing how little we sometimes in HR actually know what our employees want. So I do know there were some things that I've had on my list to build for two years, and I've still never built them, because quite frankly, no employee has ever asked for them. And so sometimes you sort of have to understand that maybe you don't always know. Um, So there there has been some items that I would have always expected, oh, of course employees would want this. Of course they want like, you know, career paths or this or that. And then I learned that they don't, or, you know, at least in my experience, certain things just aren't what people are going after. So I think there's continual surprises as we've been letting employees guide the journey a bit more. And then having to really listen to them and trust that they do know what they want for their own development and career. And we've been very pleasantly surprised with how much they teach us. So for example, um, we have a very structured job library that we use. We're a very big company. We need that. Um, But what we start to realize is certain employees will indicate that they're interested in other skills or other roles. And they're teaching us about new jobs coming up so we're starting to realize that this data person keeps connecting to all of these skills that a user design person has and then the interesting part sorry my computer's locking here so is the interesting part is we start to see this combo of this data science person mm-hmm. always looking at design and visual outcomes to realize wow there's a whole new job category forming here and we're really and that's actually how we came up with a whole new job category around data visualization
0: because people people are asking for it
1: exactly and they told us that it It was a new job and we changed our job structure to match what was happening in the world
0: Mm. so interesting as well it must be an amazing tool for your hr team from thinking about their talent your talent strategy Making sure you're pla- you can plan ahead and forecast the talent you're going to need for particular roles—it's all there <laughs> internally. And it must be a nightmare for, for just tradition for traditional companies to try and identify what talent exists yeah. within your organization. Now you have that that powerful tool in your hands, and they're telling you, <laughs> uh, and you're you're letting them know. Do they get like notifications as well, saying you may be relevant for this job? Or no, you know, we haven't gotten ha- ha- there ha- yet. Ha- no, just just no, not yeah. yet. Okay. So yeah,
1: And I'll tell you the reason why is we're, we're scared of being creepy. So we're oh, le- all right.
0: like, wait a minute. How do they know so much
1: about me? <laughs> yeah, They're like, what do you, cause you know, there's, there's always that fear. Like employees yeah, always yeah. assume that of course you're looking at my individual level data. And the truth is we're not, we never look at it, but you know, we're, we're worried that sh- if we send that I message,
0: understand. they might go, like, whoa. This,
1: And the truth is, it's like, well, we're not setting the message. We never looked. It's just something running in the background. So we've been a little cautious, um, I'll say, on data transparency. And that comes from a a longer legacy history at our company of kind of compliance and other areas. So we're probably a little more cautious on how we communicate and share because we want to make sure that employees feel safe, Um, at least with this tool. The whole point is development and growth and career. And we put that above anything else. And so sometimes it means that we, um, you know, walk the step a little more so they feel safe. So they feel like it's a good place for them to use and grow.
0: And it's a fine line, isn't it? And that's another thing people are concerned about, right, well, obviously data privacy. And and I've seen a few apps recently, employee that companies have built where, you know, they're tracking their employees' health yeah. through the health apps, you know, through the iPhone, through the watch, through, and they're like measuring and they're like, well, if that new promotion comes up, but they're going to give it to me. Who's very unhealthy <laughs> or they're going to give it to Mike over there, who's you know, a CrossFit athlete, <laughs> you know? So th- th- I think that there are definitely th- things. And I've, I've actually, uh, I know an employee that works for a company and he, he told me back exact story it may sound like a joke, but what? he genuinely was concerned that he's not as healthy as the other guys. Maybe they might take into consideration so these are all things that people, um, but it was obviously an optional opt-in like, like your own, but I can understand why people are hesitant. But at the same yeah, time, be. the benefits.
1: So yeah.
0: yeah. Were you just talking about your own watch before the show?
1: What's that? Oh Were you yes. Talking,
0: you're talking about your own watch before the show. <laughs> you, you you wanted it for your running to measure your running, and all of a sudden you're getting every single notification in the world sent to your watch. Yeah,
1: this company is just welcome <laughs> to have all of my personal data. It's fine.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, on on that point, before we wrap up, um, and, and talking about future, the future, what the future holds the technology. You know, what effect do you feel that? I think we're already seeing it already, the the, the impact that technology is having on HR, but where do you see this going a few years from now and what what do you think the the world of of HR will look like?
1: Yeah, well, I kind of talked a little bit about that earlier in um, Howard there, but I I would say, you know, I have an HR operations team and focus and I'm honestly most excited about that. You'd think it'd be on the analytics and the more advanced side, but quite frankly, I think people already see the possibility there. I'm really looking forward to the way that... Technology is going to change the more operational and transactional side of the world. Mm -hmm. And so when I think about my team and what they're doing, how that can free them up to do more complicated tasks, to do more analysis, to go a little deeper. um, That's probably the future piece. And then, you know, it's, it's not just HR. I mean, it's the entire workforce is changing. And so the interesting part is HR itself is going to be transformed by this. And is going to be the function who helps the rest of the world transform as well. Because the way that work is getting done, who does work, where,
0: where in the office of who,
1: or not. <laughs> um, <like> that <laughs> yeah. is all changing and HR is going to be at the forefront of driving that. And so I love this concept of being transformed while transforming and how HR is going to have this really unique place in that world.
0: Mm-hmm. there's never been a more exciting time to be in the industry in, in, in the role really
1: yeah.
0: i said to a lot of leaders that are very concerned There's <laughs> never been a bit you guys have to take the take the take the reins this is an yeah. incredible time to be in the role as well well thank you very much for that last thing i'll ask before we go into the fire round is if there's any advice you could give to the leaders in terms of technologies because they're overwhelmed by there's a new app every day or a new technology that just pops up <laughs> claiming to do all these weird and wonderful things we're going to predict every when your employees leave we're going to tell you everything you need to know and it's hard it's a bit of a minefield um what questions do you ask uh yourself when you're assessing a new tool or you know uh, yeah that's the question i suppose yeah what questions would you ask before going ahead with a particular tool
1: Yeah, I mean, if you're going to work with a startup, um, first of all, I both highly recommend it and I would tell you to make sure you proceed with caution because um, startups are the best opportunity for you to do what I believe in, which is build your strategy and your process first and your technology second. And startups are great about being able to meet you where you are, join you in the journey, help build it with you. So for example, we actually work with a small startup Uh, in San Francisco called Ascendify, and there was nothing out there that met what we were trying to do. And so we were able to connect with them and say, hey, here's our vision. It looks like it's aligned with your vision. Do you want to work together? Um, And so we actually created a ventures relationship with them and was able to work with them. But, you know, you've really got to think about the maturity and the level of your organization, too, because if you are a massive enterprise infrastructure company, which is the case for me, mm-hmm. that will pose a lot of challenges sure. to work with that kind of system. And the reverse is true. If you're a small or mid-sized company trying to work with a um, you know system like a Workday and Oracle and SAP that focuses a bit more heavily on the big companies, they may not meet your needs in all aspects either. So I think there's a lot to say about the fit between Yeah, your organization and the ones that you're looking at. So I'd take that pretty seriously. Um, People tend to like to either gravitate toward the big company because other companies use them, Yeah. yeah. but that's not always a good thing. And then, you know, sometimes some of the big companies will want to work with a startup because they're so used to getting what they want, but they just want to work with startups so they can get what they want. But then they have to kind of work through, hey, you know that that means it's going to be uh, things are just going to not work sometimes integrations are going to be messy. Like stuff happens when you're um, building from scratch. And so I think those are some things to keep in mind as looking yeah. into it.
0: Fantastic. Great. Well, look, that at least quite nice to we'll the the fire round where I'm going to ask you five questions and you have no longer than 30 seconds to give us some amazing answers. Are you ready? Yes. <laughs> um, what was the number one thing that was holding you back from becoming uh, a senior leader in the field of people analytics?
1: I was too descriptive and too much of a perfectionist. Um, I had to have somebody tell me, Heather, nobody knows what a Nagelkirke R-square is. If you ever say that again, I will knock you out. And I was like, what? Why don't you care? I used the appropriate R-square adjustment. And they're like, shut up.
0: You've lost everyone um, in the room. <laughs> yeah.
1: That being said, if you do have a meeting with engineers, do throw that in because they'll love you forever. Aside from that, nobody cares how many iterations of your analytics that you had to do to get to the insights. They care about your insights. And I'll be honest, that took me longer than it should. Um, it wasn't until that stage that I could actually start leading and having an impact rather than just being a data person.
0: Amazing. I think that's a very important piece of advice. Thank you for sharing that. Um, what's the best piece of uh business advice you've ever received?
1: Yeah. Um, it's not going to sound like business advice, but it made the biggest change in my career. Outsource every aspect of your life you are not passionate about. If you don't like cleaning, outsource it. Even if you have no money, it will make you more money in the long run to focus on your passions, to focus on your dreams. Um, I actually got that advice when I was really broke, college debt, all sorts of stuff. And I thought it was the stupidest advice until I realized that You can go so much further in your personal life, in your family life. And if your career, don't do the things you don't care about. Somebody else cares about them. Let them do them.
0: Yeah. Oh, it's an amazing piece of advice. And uh, as a startup, that's something I take extremely serious so I can focus on the important tasks. So I solve it through technology, of course. So, you know, my finances, my operations, the marketing, you know, something like Zapier (laughs) just takes away probably like a, a day's worth of manual tasks yeah. <laughs> that I was doing before. And I just automate everything, um, even at home. And this is going to sound really sad to a few of you listening. Everything's automated. So every, I have an Alexa in every single room, every single light bulb bulbs, wifi. You know, I can turn on, I can, tell, I can set an alarm on my phone and the kettle boils, you know, <laughs> it, my, my, um, I, when I leave the house, the sensor knows I've left. So my Hoover, my Hoover then hoovers the house. Uh, I order my, my shopping through amazon <laughs> they get delivered every week it sounds crazy to most people every morning i say uh, if i do if i'm not going to ride into work i'll just say out loud um, i'm not going to say it because Alexa's going to talk in the background but i'll ask alexa to order me a cab and then i'll jump in the cab to work um so yeah i completely agree with that one uh, it's saved me so much time to focus on the important things um as well um what's one book you could more than one books. I know you love reading books. Yeah. <laughs> well, what books would you recommend? If there is one that, for our leaders, and why?
1: Yeah, um, I'm so quick on all the answers. I, I I won't be as quick on this one only because I I do like reading. Um, I always have about two or three books going simultaneously. I'm obsessed with audiobooks too. Um, too. So I mean, yeah, I would just recommend keep it going into your brain. Um, Even if 75% of what you read leaves your brain, you'd be surprised the connections you make later. Um, I I read a a mix. I think literally right now I'm in the middle of three different books. Um, I don't say necessarily recommend because I'm not all the way through, but I'm being a little precocious and I'm trying to read uh, The Grand Design by Stephen Hawking it's surprisingly accessible we'll see if i can make it through um and then uh there is a book that i'm again only a couple chapters into but might be good for people is a book called how to measure anything and it's all about measuring intangibles in business so i loved the title um it looked like a great opportunity i'm a couple chapters in looks really great i think that is what we do is try to measure intangibles um and then I'm also, the bedside one is a book called Be a Shortcut. It's by this guy, Scott Hallford, who actually does a lot of training in our company. And it's all about how no matter what your role is, you can um, be a shortcut to someone by having the expertise that for somebody else, it might take them hours to get something done. They come to you, you're the five minute person. Nobody would ever dream of going to anyone else and how you make yourself invaluable. Um, Most of the way through that one, I'm, I'm really enjoying that. So I'd recommend be a shortcut but really hundreds of books just always read always be listening audiobooks are great libraries still exist I go to them they're great <laughs> <laughs> libraries
0: still exist <laughs> it's true yeah fantastic well, I'll link them all in the description they sound really interesting I, I, I don't think I'm able to get through the Stephen Hawking one though how, how many pages is that a few thousand <laughs> uh, no it's not too bad it's not too bad <laughs> <laughs> i joking um could you share an internet resource that you use to increase productivity stay up to date with current events
1: I don't use a lot of internet resources. I I was telling Chris I'm annoyed that my phone sends messages to my watch because uh, I like disconnecting a little. So I'm a paper pencil kind of girl. But, um, you know, I I do listen to NPR. I have Alexas all over my house. I've named them all something different so because they hear me sometimes cross rooms. Um, And, you know, I've got the NPR kind of going every week. Um, You get alerts. But, you know, staying connected is – important but i think it's choose your topics choose the areas i try to only focus on positive uh news and so sometimes that's i find exactly it hard to get those resources
0: yeah you have to control what's going in guys that's the one thing i i, I never watch the news ever it's just why what value is it adding to my morning to wake up and hear some horrible news because that's way it is most of the time it's not positive so yeah it's something that um podcast npr is great as well um yeah. having that and You mentioned a lot of audio books. One of the things I love about that is that the convenience of being, you know, on the way to work on the way home or, you know, know, even for me, it's sad enough. I'm listening to them in the gym. Uh, You know, it's just a fantastic way and you're right. You're not, you're not taking everything in, but I, there are nuggets that I sort of extract out of nowhere a week later. And I'm like, Oh, that's really relevant to this current situation. So completely relates you on that one. And then lastly, what's one thing about your business that most excites you today?
1: Yeah, Uh, change. So I'm with General Electric. Uh, It's over 120-something years old at this point, Uh, and it's always looked different. Uh, From its very start, you know, we've had so many shifts of business. We're going through a huge amount of change right now. Uh, Change, I know some people get change fatigue. I know it's hard. I know it can be disconcerting, but there is fun in ambiguity there is excitement when you're in this kind of role, when you're in HR, when you're in analytics, when you're in strategy and process, change is your opportunity. It's like people, that's exciting to me. So we're about to go through tons of change now, just as we have ever since I've joined and just as we have before and that's exciting. I love the change. I love the opportunity that change brings
0: it's just the way you're looking at it. It's different. I love it too. Cause that, that, that's where the opportunities come to change things.
1: <laughs> you can't change anything in status quo. It's too hard. You have to get things yeah. the algorithm and the budget, yeah. and this and Boring. the that, but when changing- <laughs> That's your moment. And if you jump fast enough, you get your chance.
0: Yeah. And let's be honest, if you if you don't like change, you probably shouldn't be in this profession, guys. <laughs> For anyone listening that's thinking of pursuing a career in HR analytics, don't don't join. If you if you're not interested in change, you're probably in the wrong job um as well. So amazing. Well look, thank you very much. You've been an amazing guest and uh we really appreciate the actionable advice and the insights you provide the audience. Um really excited to share this with everyone. Um before we sort of part ways, if there's one piece of parting guidance for our listeners what would that be and and if our audience has any questions for you what's the best way to get in touch with you yeah
1: yeah i mean find your passion i think i hope people can hear in my voice that this is my passion this is what i love to do i found time on the side to go get my phd in this topic because i'm passionate about it and then the other part is find your passion within inside your job i i hear a lot of people who are worried they're not in the right job because they think they're not passionate I bet there is something in your job that you are passionate about. I bet there is the thing that you're the one everybody goes to. I bet there's the thing that it just drives you crazy when somebody does it wrong. That is your passion. You just didn't identify it yet. And so if I give anyone advice, it's follow your passion and everything else will just kind of come with it. And I don't mean go quit your job and run something else. I mean, you ended up where you are in some natural way. There's some passion available to you there.
0: Mm -hmm. And what would be the best way for our audience to get in touch with you?
1: Yeah, um, send me a note on LinkedIn. That's probably uh, my best connection point. I am a very slow responder, but you know, I uh, check <laughs> those you warned, messages. At
0: warned everyone. <laughs> every
1: so often, I will get to you eventually. Just uh, know that know that I do check it.
0: No problem. All, that's all for today, guys. Thank you again so much for taking the time to join us, um, guys. Make sure you head over to hrdleaders.com There you'll find all of the show notes on the episode, everything we were talking about. We link there, timestamps, links to anything that's mentioned on there. Uh, thank you again for joining us, and uh, I wish you all the best. Until we next speak.